Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here this evening. Be with us, O Lord. Guide us and bless us. Be in our midst, Heavenly Father. Guide us every step of the way into your kingdom. And uh, enlighten us through your Holy Spirit. Uh, be with us now and guide our discussion, guide our talk. We pray the supplications of the faithful to St. Mary <coughs> and St. Mishoy. And hear us as we pray and say, Our Father, who art in Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I uh, thank you for the invitation to come and speak to you about a topic that um, I, I think about often. And the topic was actually a mashup of two topics. Uh, it was practical asceticism and the liturgical life in our everyday lives. So practical asceticism and the liturgical life in our everyday lives. I'm sure the two topics had different goals and different ideas, but uh, I, I merged the two. I wanted to merge the two uh, because I think our liturgical life is affected by our asceticism, our practical asceticism, or what we do. Um, now, we can pause and kind of look at each of these words, practical, <coughs> meaning a lot of times it means something that is possible, attainable, doable, um, reasonable, but it might clash a little bit with the word asceticism uh, because asceticism, what does that mean? It means it's like an exercise, a training. So it depends on how much you exercise and train is how good you're going to get at what you're trying to achieve. And we have to see what is it that we're trying to achieve through our asceticism? Uh, <coughs> what's the goal of our asceticism? <coughs> and how does that play into our liturgical life and it's most uh, specifically our everyday liturgical life. So if we start with asceticism, what are some of your ideas about that? What do we think about when we think about asceticism? Fasting. Okay. Self-denial. Prostrations. Changes. We can go on. There's a lot more. Prayer. Prayer. Now, uh, yeah, vigils. Now, also we have to kind of turn and with a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm going <coughs> to feed into this talk um, a lot of uh, kind of quotes from St. Anthony, hopefully, because of today's feast. St. Anthony said, when you take a lump of iron and you begin to beat it, you first have in mind what you're going to beat it with. What are you going to beat it into? Is it going to become a sword? Is it going to come a hammer? Is it what, what is it going to be? The idea is that in our ascetic life, we don't just do asceticism, but we have a goal. And the goal is towards virtue. Um, Abuna, please feel free to jump in. Because it's more. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about asceticism, practical asceticism in the liturgical life, uh, our everyday liturgical life. And, and another saint, I believe it was uh, uh, Gregory uh, the Great, Eastern Orthodox saint, 
he said, when I want to plant a garden, I don't just take seeds and throw, right? I plant the seed and I give each seed the care, the amount of water, sunlight, and, uh, and so on and so forth, the fertilizer that it needs to grow, which might be different from a different seed, right? I can't just throw seeds and hope that I'm gonna get a nice beautiful garden. Each flower, each plant has to be given different care. And the same is true with the virtues in our lives. So practical asceticism, or we could just call it our, our asceticism, is our training towards virtues uh, and virtues that are necessary in the spiritual life. Um, I was reminded just right now when I was, um, you know, kind of thinking about this a little bit more, uh, there's, I think he's Serbian Orthodox, you might have heard of him, an author by the name of uh, Father Justin Popovich. He wrote a book called The Orthodox Life, I think is, it's something along those lines, kind of a yellowish cover. And in that first chapter, he speaks about asceticism being a missionary task. And he's, he, he almost claims that, or he does claim, he says, asceticism is the missionary activity of the church. And so what he's saying from, is from this, and what you can read on your own if you have the book, is that the ascetic life produces virtues, and the virtues become what we present to the world. Right? You don't tell people necessarily only just about Jesus Christ. However, you show him the life or her, the life that is lived in Jesus Christ. So our practical asceticism is absolutely necessary for our spiritual life. Now practical, we've got to talk about how can we do this practically. On one level, you have to understand that there's nothing practical about it because this world wants to offer you everything in an easy way. And so we're convinced everything has to come easily. Uh, we're not willing, ready, and able to endure 14 years of, of dealing with something, you know, or 17 years. And like this is uh, what you read in the fathers of the, uh, the desert fathers, uh, how one father would say, for 14 years I cried day and night for God to take away the sin from me. And finally it happened, right? The patience and the, uh, and the sort of uh, the patience that goes into the struggle for the spiritual life, but never relenting. It's not something that happens over a day. But now when we talk about it practically, I have to have a goal in my mind. W and, and it's very easy. We're talking about love. We're talking about humility. We're talking about patience. We're talking about uh, meekness. We're talking about the traits that you see uh, demonstrated as the fruit of the Spirit. And we should have all of it. It should be one complete package within us. And you know what's really good to figure for figuring out what traits we're missing? Try skipping a few meals, which is called fasting, and see how you react to things around you. You know the word hangry, right? I get hangry around people. Well, that's really a, a, a way to expose. And uh, I remember one time Abuna Krolos uh, Wasilides, uh, I'm sure he, he got this from someplace else, but he said it to me in a very nice way. He's like, you can't go into your soul and take out anger. Like, um, you could just kind of reach in, take it out, and throw it away. But you need to, through the ascetical life, expose it and then deal with it. Expose it and, um, and through the asceticism, which is the training and the exercising, exercising yourself in a way that you are able to overcome this sin, <coughs> to not let it affect you, to not let it drag you down. Now, we could spend a few minutes about what is 
ascetical in our spiritual life, and let's just kind of think about it in terms of the church. What does the church offer us as, as a, a sort of routine? Um, how does it guide us? How does she guide us in our spiritual life? What are things that we do ascetically in the church? Go. What is one thing? Wednesday, Fridays, right? Wednesday, Friday liturgies. What's another thing? Not liturgies, sorry, fasting. What's another thing? Egbeya prayers, right? Through your own spiritual father and you guide, you take those and you use them throughout the day as a as ascetical practice. What's another thing? We do have prostrations. We have liturgy, getting up early for liturgy. Um, it vespers, uh, coming to vespers. These are uh, ascetical practices. Why? Because I have to give up time, uh, give up my life, uh, rearrange my life, whatever it is, I have to put an effort into this. Vigils. Vigils, Vigils uh, you know, this is the fathers of the church, the, especially those of us, this is the best time to pray. Um, when everybody's asleep, when the world is asleep, you stand up in prayer. What are some other things that we do? A type of asceticism is putting money in the, in, in the, you know, giving alms, whether it be money or doing acts of mercy for other people. And, and, and I hope you th begin to think about this now in a real way, because let's say we have uh, some, a couple is dealing with a marital issue. You can talk, I mean, if they're ready to hear or listen, and Abuna James has all the experience in the world, and I give him more experience, take this couple, talk to them. <laughs> Uh, but the idea is that you're telling two people, be ascetical towards each other. Work on your, you have an anger problem over here, and you have a patience problem over here, and you have a mishadafi over here. Work on that with each other. And this is the beautiful idea in that you work together like two boards that are um, unsanded. If you rub them together, they become smooth. And that's not only how we are in our families, that's how we are in our communities, in our churches. How we, we stand in pews and sometimes we might say, I don't like that person over there. But we have to learn to love and we have to learn to work on that. And this becomes um, part of our asceticism. Now, what virtues we seek after and what virtues we are um, hungry for, there are, of course, the standard, but also I have to be sensitive to the ones that are lacking in my life. I can't be saying, I have joy and peace, but I don't have love. And joy and peace are enough. I don't need love. I need all of them, and I need to work towards that. And, and how we work towards that is uh, when we understand the virtue that we're seeking after, we put ourselves in a, in, in, a, in a kind of in a mode where I'm praying for it, I'm fasting for it, and I'm exercising it. I'm trying to, you know, like artificially at first, what would be loving in this situation? What would love do in this situation? What would patience do in this situation? What would peace do? And we're constantly trying to run after this. Now, why this is connected, I'm gonna switch over a little bit, why this is connected to the liturgical life, because all the virtues um, that we are seeking after, the source of that virtue is Christ. So in my pursuit for virtue, I could never pursue virtue uh, without pursuing Christ. I can never attain to perfection without being united to Christ. So in my, you could say, in my ascetical life where I'm trying to be virtuous and exercise these virtues and cultivate these virtues within me, I'm also preparing myself for union with Christ. 
And then when I take this uh, union that I, uh, when I partake of the body and blood of Christ, I hold on to that union and try to uh, live that union for the rest of the week, or from, you know, we're sort of living from Eucharist to Eucharist, Ex uh, getting myself ready for the next Eucharist while I'm still holding on to the last time I was able to commune. Now, what does the church offer us in terms of uh, preparation? What does it suggest to us? What we have in our church now, uh, you know, a lot of times we might think that the prayer before communion is the least I can do before um, entering the church, or some people that's all that they do is just the prayer of communion and think that this is kind of enough preparation. But this is when we have to kind of back up and uh, say, no, maybe I need to prepare myself a little bit more. What did the early church do? Or what did, uh, you know, not just the early church, what are some of the practices in our church? And maybe you've heard of some, maybe you haven't. Uh, I've heard of churches where on Saturday evening all the church would be gathered and the priest would make sure that nobody has any problems with anybody. That everybody is at peace. And they make sure that everybody is at peace with each other so that they can celebrate the liturgy the next day. So on some level there is the coming to church. On another level there is the uh, making sure I have nothing in my heart against my brother and my sister. This becomes now ascetical activities in my life. Uh, something I can't just dismiss, forget about, think about only when it's in, my, in front of me and then forget about it for the rest of the week. I need to pursue this issue until it is finished. It's, 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 it's solved. And this is sometimes uh, a little bit more difficult because oftentimes we don't give attention to the things and oftentimes we don't think that we need to give attention to these uh, little details. We think, oh, you know, it's okay, I'm sure other people have these problems or it's not that big of a deal in relationship in, in relation to other things. Why this is so important for us to come on Saturday nights as part of the ascetical practice is that I need to prepare myself completely focusing on what I'm about to do the next day. Which is, and there's several things that we do in our liturgical life here and that become part of our everyday life. I'm meeting Christ. I'm meeting Christ as if it is a second coming, as if He's coming to judge us. I'm coming into judgment. Uh, and we recognize that He's going to come and judge us in righteousness. But every time we stand in front of God, it is a moment of judgment. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer, it's a moment of judgment. Imagine, you call God Father, and He's looking at you and trying to analyze you, are you really His child? And meaning, are you acting like His child? St. Cyril spoke about this at length, that it's a very dangerous thing. And St. Gregory of Nyssa, very dangerous to call God Father, because that, inf that infers that you are acting as his child perfectly in that regard. Very scary, you know, to, we call God Father, but we, we're, if we're not living as his children, I have to uh, analyze this and, and understand this. Another thing that I have to do in my uh, spiritual preparation for being in the presence of God is I have to begin to be able to control my mind. I have to be able to control my mind. How many of us stand in prayer for longer than five minutes and our mind's going here, our mind's going there and our mind is all over the place. That, that little song you know, that we were maybe heard in a store or that we walked into quickly or that was playing on the radio or whatever begins all of a sudden to become amplified in our minds. Every little email that I have to respond to or every uh, text message that I've received now all of a sudden becomes urgent priorities. This is all because we are un uncontrolled in our minds and uncontrolled in, in prioritizing. We cannot prioritize. It is almost impossible 
in our day and age to prioritize what is important from what is urgent. The phone rings, I might be praying. The phone rings, I'm drawn to the phone. Um, the phone, uh, I'm, I'm in prayer, but all of a sudden I remember, oh, I, I, I have to do something. So very easy for me to finish up prayers and go finish what I'm doing. We've created this kind of, um, this idea that, you know, and, and it only works really one way. We allow the world to come into our prayers, but we are very hesitant or maybe not trained in letting our prayers come into the world. And so we're able to kind of go to work and sort of do our work thing and maybe say a prayer here or there. But when we are in our prayers, oh man, the floodgates are opened and everything comes in. This is, a, this is something that we train ourselves to uh, fight against. And we have to train ourselves, not during the liturgy so much, but at home. Which means spending time with God, spending time in prayer, spending time in silence, spending time stilling ourselves so that we can hear the voice of God. Uh, and, and this becomes part of our day-to-day -day life. We have lots of things that are part of our day-to-day -day life. You know, there's those that go to the gym, and there's those that have a particular diet, there's those that have to see a particular show. But when it comes to what we want to do in our spiritual life, it's kind of haphazard. And, and let me uh, take a moment just to speak about the importance of a spiritual father in this regard. St. Anthony, even in his sayings, he said, spiritual, uh, asceticism without direction is very dangerous. I can't remember the exact quote, but you can't just be ascetic. You can't just do a hundred prostrations and uh, pray every hour of the Egbeya and go to every Tazbah and go to every liturgy and do all these things and think that all of a sudden spirituality and the Holy Spirit is going to flow through you like, uh, I don't know, whatever, like, the, like torrents of water. But w what we have to understand is that asceticism has to be with a goal and that goal has to be under the guidance of a spiritual father. Uh, and I, I dare say a canonical spiritual father. <laughs> father in the church. A father who's been, uh, you know, tested. And, and this is why, you know, I feel bad for people that come to a younger priest like myself. You want to go to somebody who's seasoned, experienced, someone who's been through it. And you allow this person, you, you open yourself up to this person. It's not a therapy session as much as it's, I have, you know, these, these vices that are a problem and I'm trying to get to these virtues and you allow the spiritual father to guide you. There are some times where fasting is good, there are some times where fasting is not good. Sometimes where prayers are good, sometimes where prayers are not good. It depends on the spirit in which they're done and the spiritual father has to be the kind of uh, spiritual doctor to monitor and to make sure that the effect or the goal that's being, that's desired is able to be achieved. Um, you know, there is oftentimes the case where somebody will come and they'll have a particular sin and they are so desperately hoping that you know a certain rule of prayer a certain amount of prostrations and a certain number of liturgies in the month or whatever is going to be able to cure them of this sin that's not how it works uh, that's not how it works and that's not what asceticism is necessarily about asceticism is about training there has to be obedience, there has to be humility, and, and you know what? Unfortunately, some of these lessons that we don't learn through spiritual fathers, God teaches us through different ways and through different routes. Somebody who's able to do that, let's say, d does a number of psalms and uh, matanyas and, and goes to church or whatever and is all of a sudden cured, r seldom attribute that to God. 
more often they attribute it to themselves. Look, I was able to do it. I was able to beat it. I found the code. I found the formula. I found the way for me to solve this problem. That's not how it works. What we do is we are completely emptying ourselves to this ascetical practice so that God can fill us. But if God fills us and there's a spirit of pride, then that's all for nothing. And, and believe me, when it comes to these, these sins that we're like, ah, I got pride, I got anger, I have other issues. And when we minimize it, we really fail to see how detrimental it is to our spiritual life. One of the, spiritual, one of the fathers of the church, I think it was either um, Ammonius or uh, Agathon, Saint Agathon, he said, an angry person, even if he were to raise the dead, is unacceptable before God. An angry person, even if he were to raise the dead, is unacceptable before God. So we're not trying to be miracle workers. We're not trying to do something that is um, extraordinary. The ascetical life is, in the words of St. Anthony, just making us get back to normal. Normal as a human being. Normal as what God created us to be. And you can see from the Garden of Eden, and you can see from uh, what Christ himself uh, went, did when he was on earth, you see that what brought us into sin was when we followed our own desires. And what releases us is when we stop following our own desires and follow what what uh, I guess you could say the, the law of God and what God is teaching us. So I, I, I explain it very simply. We were born egocentric, self-centered. And uh, you can tell this in any child, right? Mine, mine, me, whatever, cries whenever he doesn't get anything or she doesn't get anything. But what our challenge is, is to become Christ-centered. And Christ-centered is not as easy as it sounds. It means I have to be extremely sensitive there are people when they, you know, if they have just a little bit of gluten in their diet, they can sense how different, how it throws them off in their moods and everything. We need to sort of be like that in terms of our sensitivity spiritually. Um, my one friend, he told me about his, da his daughter. He said, I brought my daughter, they live on the West Coast, they brought them to the East Coast. And in the house, <laughs> um, you know, e typical East Coast house, there's a lot of yelling, and, you know, just loud voices. And the girl just started crying for no reason. She was agitated. She, was, she didn't know what was happening, so the result was she just started crying. Of course, me and uh, my friend, we joked about it. It's like, obviously, you know, the person, she was not, she was more coming from a place of peace to a place of agitation, and that came out, it exposed itself in her crying. We have to also kind of be sensitive to that, and, and I'm sure if we think about this, and we're very careful about it, what we watch, what we listen, what, where, where our heart is throughout the day. We'll see how it affects us. And we'll see how it affects others. When our heart, we can say, our heart is with the Lord, all the time, we find our life is a lot more peaceful. And, and that, that's straight from the liturgy. The, pre, the priest says, you know, lift up your hearts. That's supposed to be permanent. You know, that's supposed to be complete. We're offering our hearts to God, not to take it back when we leave the door. How do we maintain that? How do we keep our hearts with the Lord? You know, you wake up, and, and, and this is where, you know, this is where there's very, a lot of practical asceticism. I, I like to, you know, maybe sleep in a little bit, but I miss my morning prayers. Or I like to sleep in and I just, you know, slide into church right before the gospel. It's a, do, you, do you stream here, Abuna? Oh, you're lucky. People will stream, they'll be like, is the gospel? Oh, I still got 10 more minutes or something. And then they'll, 
And they, you know, skate in right when the gospel is being read. We, in our relationship with God, we don't ask Him, what's the most I could do? We ask Him, what's the least I need to do to make you happy and so that we can, you know, you know I'll get into heaven and everything will be okay afterwards. That's, that's our attitude. And that has to stop. And, and when we think about it just practically from you know, a courtship, when, when a, a couple is you know, in love and the husband, or the, the husband-to-be is you know, buying flowers and the, the woman is, you know, of course, cooking you know, meals and stuff for the guy. And you know, that's, that's like, yeah, that's, that's when things are great. But then you know, 30 years down the line when that fades away and Abuna James has to talk to them and remind them about that. What happens is that we, the love grows cold. And our love with God often grows cold when we're not constantly trying to nurture, nurture it. And asceticism becomes the way that we nurture it. Asceticism is our way of saying to God, we're trying. We're trying. Help us out. Asceticism works two ways. Cuts out vice and uh, helps to grow virtue. And so when we talk about the Agbeya, when we talk about making it to church on time, we talk about coming to liturgy and coming to, uh, if you have the ability to come to a Wednesday liturgy, if you have the ability to come to uh, Vespers and to come to Tazbeha, these aren't extras. We're not saying that these are like, you know, yeah, you know, whatever. No, we're saying that th this is going to be good for you. And we have to fight against ourselves. We have to fight against sleep. We have to fight against food. We have to fight against, you know, sometimes our desires, uh, which all in all, food is not bad, sleep is not bad, and our desires are not bad, but all in the right time and with the right amount, but at the same time understanding, I have to show some love towards God and grow in my love towards God. Now, there's also the keeping of the commandments, uh, which of course are summarized in loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. In looking at loving your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, heart can be looked at as worship. I love God, and so I worship God. I worship God when I come to church. I worship God at home. I, and, and my life is to worship Him. My mind means I educate myself. I read the Bible. I read spiritual books. I read the lives of the saints. I educate myself and I fill myself with as much knowledge as I possibly can because that knowledge also creates uh, and inflames my heart with love for God and turns me towards Him. Heart, mind, soul is I keep the commandments. I do what is right in the right time. I do what's right in the right time and I follow and I, I, I'm as strict as I possibly can on myself. Not to point to somebody else and say you have to be stricter, but I myself have to know. I have to keep the commandments as best as possible. And that of course includes uh, most importantly the commandment of love. And then uh, strength are my possessions, my money, uh, my resources. I love God in this way, and so I give of all that I have to the glory and honor of His holy name. These are all ascetical works, and all of this is not easy. Nobody is going to say, yeah, you know, two hours of tazbaha, <laughs> and we're going to go, I mean, some of us like it, but other people typically are not used to it, so it seems something foreign, and, you know, I had one guy say to me, you know what, Abuna, I'm going to get into heaven, and I'm never going to attend the Sabah Arba, I'm never going to attend the Sabah Arba, I'm gonna, and I'm going to get into heaven. 
okay, I mean, you know, do your best. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying one is necessary and, and, and one is not, but you know, we are doing as much as we possibly can. As much as we possibly can. All the time. And this is, and this is what, you know, sometimes we say, ah, I just want a minute to relax. And so for, for example, and, and, and forgive me, this is where things become a little bit difficult. And say, I want to relax and I, I want to watch a, a, a movie or I want to watch a show or I want to do something, you know, that's, you know, it, not everything has to be God, Jesus and everything. But I find myself when I, when I, the second I begin to relax, the second I begin to think that, you know, something is okay. I'm trying to think of a, a practical example. We can think about it in terms of fasting, right? The second I'm like, ah, what's the big deal? A little bit of cheese, a little bit of milk, no, you know, God's not going to send me to hell is the second I begin to relax my asceticism. And that becomes a slippery slope. And, and I know that some people can handle it, some people can't, some people need to do it because they're spiritual father, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, all of, there's lots of factors involved, but you have to understand the second I begin to make rules for myself, I slip. I, I prayed yesterday, I don't have to pray today. I read two chapters yesterday, so I don't have to read two you know, a chapter today. But when we start to, when we start to um, uh, create excuses for ourselves, we find ourselves going down a slope. You know, it's the worst spiritual time of the year in terms of uh, my own self and in terms of um, uh, confessions, right after Lent. <laughs> Everybody, everything is just like the floodgates open. You know, kids that have like, you know, 55 weeks of no porn, and all of a sudden they're just like, hey, Abun, I know I uh, got a little bit lazy, but you see, everything affects everything else. And, and on, on some level, we live each day to the, to the fullest. St. Anthony say, you live each day as if it's your last. If you wake up in the morning, you say to yourself, I'm not going to even make it to, to bed at night. And you prepare yourself this all, all the time. When you go to sleep at night, you say, I probably am not going to wake up in the morning. Or, you know, I, you know, I might not wake up in the morning. So let me prepare myself as much as I possibly can. And now think about, let's, let's kind of flip that. Think about in terms of the people that you love. If you're not going to see them again, you spend as much time with them. You talk to them. You call them up on the phone. You tell them you love them. This is, this is the relationship that you have with those that you love that are of earth. The same has to be true in our relationship with God. Of course, you know, let's not break the metaphor. If we were to die, we're going to go be with God. But the idea is that I want to do as much as I can for Him while I can, while I have my, while I'm alive. Uh, and we can put this in terms in a different way. Uh, very practical way. People, um, how, do I, how do I do this without getting into a big story? I might have money to give to the poor, right? And I might do it while I'm alive, or I might write in my will, if I die, give this money to the poor. Um, and, and certain fathers have said, how foolish it is that we didn't do it while we were alive, and at death it was taken away, and, and you don't get, you don't, that doesn't count after you die that the money goes, you should have done it while you were alive. You do things while you're alive. You, you can't hope that things that are done after your death will become a credit to you. Do everything now while you can. And so, uh, you know, now kind of, I, I'm just sort of blabbing, blabbing here, and <laughs> let me kind of organize my thoughts. Uh, we have our central life, our perfection is with Christ. In order for me to uh, unite myself with Him, I have to work as hard as I possibly can in my own personal life. And each person's struggle is completely different from the other person. 
no two people are the same. Of course, we can encourage each other, but everybody is at a different level. And so I have my struggles, other people have other struggles. There are people, yes, it is true, killing a bug is a sin for them. There are other people that, you know, if they don't hit an animal on the way to work, you know, we thank God. You know? <laughs> but, but the idea is that everybody has, has different spiritual life. But I must struggle. There are those, put it a different way, the meth addict who has all these addictions and all these problems, still has to struggle. Now, is his struggle or her struggle different from a person that's not a meth addict? Yeah, on some level it is, but at the same time it doesn't make it any less. And the idea is that our salvation is in the struggle. It's not that once we receive, we're, we're going to be at the end of the struggle, we're going to attain perfection. We'll never attain perfection outside of Christ. We can be as best as we can. We can try and seek after perfection. He commanded us, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be holy as I am holy. And be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. All of this is beyond our reach. At the same time, though, we're not to forget about it. We're supposed to struggle towards that. So I come here uniting myself, but my struggle is to be like Him. To be like Him. So that when He comes, He sees us. That we are, He recognizes us. St. Irenaeus said, it's like an artist who, 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 who does a work and let's say somebody were to ruin the, the artwork, when the artist returns, he'll say, I don't see that I did this. This isn't my work. This isn't my hand. The image that is within us, the image of Christ or the image of God that is in us is preserved through our keeping of the commandments because that's what we were created to do. The commandments, of course, are love, loving God and loving one another. Now I'm coming here, but I can't just walk in off the street and expect that this is going to work some magic in my life. There's no, nothing magical here. It's all, you know, sweat and tears and, and, and we have to work at it. Uh, you come in, you, you, you have to prepare yourself. And it's not just the night before. There's many prayers that you can, you can almost sort of begin to prepare yourself now for the next time you're going to take Holy Communion. And every time you take Holy Communion should be a conscious act. Not like, ah, I'm here, something else to do, I'm a little bit hungry, whatever. You know, like, it, it can't just be something like, you know, passive or just sort of like, whatever. Yeah, that's what we do on Sunday. It has to be a very conscious act. And so, in my mind, I'm thinking about this. This is the most precious thing in the entire world, the entire universe, this, what we do here and what we're able to partake of. So I'm taking this blessing and I'm very scared to lose even just, um, you know, for us, of course, we talk about don't spit after it and don't drink through a straw and, you know, don't walk barefoot. You don't want to cut yourself and bleed. All this stuff is because in our mentality, we don't want to lose the blessing that we received in its physical form, whatever. I mean, it's just kind of a meditation and sort of a piety that we, we exhibit after we partake of the body and blood. But spiritually, we should be doing the same. Not the second I leave, I'm, you know, just blabbering about everything and anything and... Uh, you know, what's the latest gossip, what's the latest news, all that stuff. So now, I have to prepare myself. I prepare myself daily. Wednesday's a nice fast because I'm reminded of Judas, how he, uh, how he um, denied Christ. And on Friday, I'm reminded of the crucifixion. And on Saturday, uh, I'm, you know, kind of remembering this uh, apocalyptic night, but I also am preparing myself for partaking of Christ and rejoicing in His resurrection. It's a cycle of preparation and celebration, preparation and celebration. Also, during the week, I focus on my own sins, my own issues, my own problems. Right? Not so concerned about the problems that are affecting me, 
how my wife does this to me and my husband does that to me. I'm focused on myself. I need to be more peaceful. I need to be more loving. I need to, and w that's a standard. I need to be more loving. I need to be more peaceful. I need to carry this joy. St. Anthony, one of my favorite uh, quotes from him is, uh, let us take courage and always have joy as those who are always being, are, are being redeemed. Let us be joyful and let us be courageous as those who are always being redeemed or being redeemed. The idea is the joy of our salvation, the joy of what has been given to us, I carry with me all around. Uh, this is a joy that overcomes the sorrows of this world. And the peace that we receive is a peace that overcomes all the tribulations and agitations in this world. I focus on this in my prayers, in my spiritual life at home, my meditations, my reading. It's, there's nothing wrong with, for example, spending a little bit of time in your evening doing some midnight of the midnight praises or offering worship to God um, every, every morning and every night, waking up with that idea and going to sleep with that idea. But it takes concentrating, and that's really the idea of asceticism. So it, it, it requires kind of a reset, and we're thankful, of course, for Great Lent, because Great Lent isn't a perfect time to reset. If I'm able to go through Great Lent without being on Facebook, or without watching TV or whatnot, why turn it on afterwards? I didn't lose anything. There's nothing to gain in that world. I'm not, I'm not trying to push any agenda here, but the idea is let, let's simplify our lives and focus on the things that are important. Now, I, 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 the day-to-day -day practical asceticism is going to include almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And, and, and I dare say, on the days that we're not fasting, still there requires a little bit of moderation. We can dub it fasting, like I don't have to gorge myself, right? I have to, you know, even if I'm, I have a whole table filled with all of my favorite foods, I don't have to eat every single thing. I have to just take something that is enough for me, right? The idea, living to eat is always wrong, you know? Eating to live, you know? And like, you could say, in a, you know, nafsi for in and out or I wish I could have an in and out burger right now. It's not, you know, I could, I could say, you know, let me just forego this. Let me just deny myself a little bit. Uh, money is not an issue, and time is not an issue, and availability is not an issue. But just because all the stuff is at our hands, fingertips, doesn't mean we have to go after it, right? The, and this, there's, there's, I didn't even get into the way we spend our money, right? There's a whole other world out there about how we spend our money in terms of our ascetical life, what we wear, what we drive, what we, where we live, all that stuff is part of this. Right? So, it, it, you know, in, in short, what we do throughout the week affects how we partake of the, of the Eucharist and affects how, what kind of a vessel are we? Are we a leaky vessel, you know, and, uh, to use those terms, when we partake of the body and blood? Are we really preparing ourselves? Asceticism is essential for that. And, of course, a guide in our asceticism is also uh, essential as well. On one level, it's a paradox. On one level, we'll never be worthy. Nothing we can ever do will ever allow us permission or authority or make us worthy to partake of this and, and perfect us. But on the other level, our unworthiness has to be acknowledged. And we have to accept our unworthiness and kind of come forward, but always try to work out our salvation, as St. Paul says, with fear and trembling. Um, I don't know if I hit the target when I, in terms of what you you were expecting to hear, but at least I want to get the discussion going, and then we could talk about other things, and if, if Abuna can add uh,
from, from your experience and from your knowledge. Um, but, but this is an important conversation and I think it's every, with every kind of new technology and every new luxury that comes out and with every thing in this world telling us that all this stuff is unimportant, you know, we have to return and we have to see and we have to look to those that were ascetical and look to the fathers and the mothers of the church that were ascetical and say to ourselves, huh, maybe they had something right. You know, maybe St. Anthony had something right when he went to the desert. Maybe St. Mary of Egypt had something right when she went to the desert. Maybe we've got to create our own little desert here. Maybe we've got to at least look to God as much as they look to God. Maybe we have to kind of take from them and from what they did. Now, don't do it haphazardly like tonight we're going to just go home and sleep on the floor and, and whatever, sell everything that we have. And make sure you have a guide to help you through this. But at the very least, you should walk out of here thinking, I, I got to do something. I got to increase. I got to be more focused in the, uh, in the virtues that I'm looking for. I got to be more uh, consistent in the practices that I do. Maybe I got to step it up a little bit. Maybe I got to pray a little bit more. Not because God is angry, not because he's mad, but to spur that love within you for him and give you that ability to love one another more. Thoughts? So um, from my point of view, and, and hopefully one of James can add, my point of view is whenever I start a conversation and someone is hesitant about fasting, I tell them every religion in the world fasts. There is such benefit to fasting. And it's in and of itself because people come and say, oh, well, I, I don't want to fast, I'm not even, you know, I'm still sinning, I'm doing this sin and that sin, I'm not giving food, I'm not praying anymore, and it's just a show. And I say, look, it's still, it's still a discipline. If you can just get over yourself <laughs> and stop feeding yourself in this whatever way, or, you know, I'm practically a vegetarian or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have to be able to insert in our lives something that we don't want to do to s on some level and work hard at accomplishing that. At, at sort of just sort of, you know, for those that love to fast, I don't, I, I think on some level it, it's not as, I don't want to judge, but. I think it's better that you, if you don't like to fast <laughs> and you fast as opposed to I love to fast it's the easiest thing in the world I'm already vegan you know Buna Beeman right see how, how his fasting is <laughs> but that's, that's so that's on one level uh, how to look at it yeah there are certain things that are common to humanity Buna do you It's not, it's not, um, there, there doesn't have to be, so you're trying to sort of create a connection between virtue and God. And on some level, we are becoming virtuous because this is the image of God. We're trying to take the characteristics of God and uh, have them in our life. So on one level, our goal is, it's not peace for the sake of peace, but peace for the sake of the fact that this is, he's the king of peace. And I want to be one of his subjects. I want to 
have his attributes in my life. That would be my, I guess, one way just to think about it real quick. Looking at a book of James to see if he has. Um, in, in, you know, for, for me personally, I don't think there is any, and this has always been said in the Orthodox Church, there's no replacing fasting. There's nothing. You can't read enough from the Bible or memorize enough from the, the, the Psalter or nothing replaces that. You can't get to where you need to go or let me say, where fasting gets you, you can't get there another way. Um, let me correct that. Sometimes, and fasting, we should say, fasting is for the healthy, not for everybody who, those that are sick. Sickness and suffering can bring you <laughs> to that same place. Um, but, uh, but if I, you know, living a healthy life and everything, fasting helps me in that. Praying the Psalms is different from prayer. Praying the Psalms is part of that kind of daily spiritual diet. And, and you know, the Psalms are something that become part of you and then are able to manifest themselves in times of need, in times of trouble, in times of problems. They keep you, like, like saying, you know, the Psalms keep you. And so you, you can't do that in the spur of the moment. It's almost like a captain of a ship who is in a storm. It's not the time for him to kind of open the books to see how to navigate the ship during a storm. It should be part of him, and then he will be a hero. Uh, a tree doesn't grow roots in the storm, it grows the roots prior. This is part of that asceticism. Uh, the Psalms, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Look at yourselves, look at what you own, and start looking at the stuff that's hard for you to get rid of hard for you that you know to to kind of purge from I like every I like these shoes a lot I like these this shirt a lot I like you know the things that begin to be part of our pride just get rid of them give it away to other people it's not it's not healthy to have that stuff at least in, from my my perspective my problem of course is books I have nothing in my house except books and I don't even lock my door because I know unless a theologian comes and robs me, there's <laughs> nobody wants anything in my house. Uh, thank you. It's a, it was a, a pleasure for me to kind of discuss this. And I'm sorry it wasn't as organized as um, it, it should have been. But at the same time, um, what I'm speaking to is from my heart in the sense that this is what I try to apply to myself. And I... Hope you'll take these words of advice and apply it to yourself in your life.